coconut. Captain's log, star date 7403.6. pretending to do a captain's log? I saw that, but I don't believe it. A Vandorian doctor. A uh, shapeshifter? Ah, Look, I can set you up with somebody great on the Cerritos. There's that Felosian and Tactical. She seems like a nice plant person. Intelligent plants? Orion's little game of neutrality and piracy is over. For your information, many Orions haven't been pirates for over five years! Time to take this puppy off its leash! Warp me! Hello and welcome to Drawn to Trek. Uh, I'm Aaron Harvey and with me today is not Jesse Gender. Unfortunately, Jesse is fallen ill from a cold that she swears that I gave to her through the internet. So <laughs> it's not probably true. I don't know. Uh, the voice you're hearing is John Cooley, our TAS co-host, who's joining me today. We're, we're uh, kind of taking a different... Uh, tact uh, on this episode. We're not going to do the whole story and uh, breakdown. We're going to center on just the Easter eggs. And when Jesse returns, we'll probably do an actual story breakdown. So uh, welcome, John. Hey, thanks, Aaron. Uh, this is going to be a blast. I'm excited. I like well, as you can tell, for the last two or three days, I have just immersed myself in this, and now I jokingly said on Twitter, "It's like I am going to now download all of this from my head and then move on because it's it, taking over my life." It's impossible. You made this your new obsession, man. Yeah, I kind of did that last year. I was we. I'm glad I'm not doing it this way. Last year, I had it where our show was live, and I was showing every Easter egg that I could find, like with graphics. And that's a lot of work to put together uh, well, on a I think basis. If, I think the problem is after this and after the response it's gotten on Twitter, you're, there's an expectation now that yeah. you're going to be doing this. So yeah. congrats. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'll, I'll continue to help where I can. But I've painted wow. myself into a corner. <laughs> yeah, Quite exactly. literally. Uh, well, I have a framework now. At least I have a... Like, I, I, Put it together and it's got a, a template so that's that's a starting point at least but the first version i did which is hilarious it was if you if you haven't seen this by the way well it's out on twitter at my user geek filter and if you want to follow john by the way it is starship geeks starship geek correct yeah at on starship twitter geek yep. yeah okay um it uh is a grid of all of the easter eggs that i found but when i first did it i just sort of guesstimated what a square was because <laughs> it was very late. And if you looked at it, it was like the vague suggestion of a grid. It kind of like got wider on one side and thinner on the other. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to actually tweet this out, I have to make it look like I know how to, to design because well, that is my I think job. Well, I think you've also doomed yourself. And, and, and I'll tell you why. I think you've thrown down the gauntlet to Mike and his team. You found 50 Easter eggs here. Plus. And I just, I, I just have this uh, idea in my head that they're sitting there breaking down season four. And they're like, we're yeah. going to top that. We're going to drive Aaron nuts. <laughs> uh, well, after the amount of times I've probably messaged Mike and driven him nuts this week, it might, it might be revenge. Although... It, it could create a, a what is it, uh, uh, infinite loop or something like that, where it's just 
we end up driving each other nuts over Easter eggs. Well, I mean, now that you've got a an officer on board the Cerritos that speaks in metaphor, now you've got a walking, talking Easter egg. You've got somebody who, yeah. as they learn about the Federation, can start incorporating Federation Easter eggs into their own metaphors. So yeah. you've got a potentially an, an unending source of Easter eggs. Good luck to you, man. Seriously. <laughs> Well, th this episode, Kayshawn, his eyes open, as a Temerian is what you're talking about. Um, just a brief description. Uh, the Cerritos is pegged to come onto a collector ship, collector like uh, Kivas Fajo, who uh, tried to collect data. Um, and there's a collector's guild, and those are all these people that basically do what Star Trek fans do, is collect stuff. <laughs> and, um they uh, have the Cerritos team come on because they want them to find anything that might be dangerous and blow up or zap somebody. I just had a and... genius idea. Speaking of Kivas Fajo and, and the, the idea of a collector's guild, we need mm -hmm. to get with the folks at Fansets and have them make the collector's guild oh, the pin. insignia. Yeah. yeah. Which, uh, as a collector, you can just look around yes. my office. As a collector, I feel like I need that. Oh, God. I, I was actually to going to. The thing. It's metal. <laughs> I was oh, going to talk to you about my... that afterwards, actually. <laughs> Damn. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Mike is just, he, it's a secret just marketing person. He's like, he has nothing to do with Star Trek. He's just become this evil marketing genius. Well, evil marketing funny. genius and really simultaneously also sort of mocking all of us and himself. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. And himself. Oh, yeah. but the dude is a collector, too. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, no. It's like. Well, and the you fact know, that he turns one of the characters into a collector's item, basically which, turned him into a puppet, and now people have already, what is this, two days later, uh, yeah. have created uh, puppets versions of uh, Kayshawn. Which, that's the paging, yeah. paging Star Trek Unlimited, uh, mm -hmm. Kayshawn puppet, please. I, told, I said that you can play with your Kayshawn puppet while you're wearing your Murph slippers, which was a joke that might actually become real at some point. It's like... Um, nice. And wearing your your uh, uh, lower decks t shirt club t shirt, you know, like you're gonna just be covered in all of this. Um, hey, I'm here so for it. Bring it. Yes, um, I have space in my collection for more stuff, so uh, I'm happy. Well, my Easter egg list is just from the collector's ship, but there is another. There's a B plot to this whole show. No, okay. actually, there's a B plot and a C plot because you've got um, you've got oh uh, yes. Mariner's mom, who's going up yes. for her command <laughs> review. And she's just like, I'm going to be more hands-off. <laughs> like, yeah, like, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, my, I'm a micromanager? I love the eye roll. The, 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 look, the yeah, everybody just sort of bridge like, crew. They all look at the other direction and like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think what we'll do is we'll just dive into the Easter egg. So they, they beam into this place, and it looks sort of like your kind of standard museum that you would go to with cases and pictures on the wall and stuff like that, although maybe overloaded a little bit. And uh, <laughs> the funny thing is the uh, guys on the Text Trex um, podcast said, this collector is insane. When you look, look at all the different things that are connected, they're just like, they have, there's no flow. There's a, like in their universe, there would be no reason to have any of these things altogether. Well, there's well, there's all the different galleries that we're treated to as we go True. through it, and really each gallery reminded me of a different museum in the Smithsonian system, for example. 
Like you've got oh, the yeah. you've you've got this main gallery that almost looks like a, a little eclectic, but mm-hmm. really that's kind of how um it's kind of one part how MoMA kind of looks at times and also yeah. some of the photographs that I've seen of the original Smithsonian Castle building when it had exhibits in it. Mm. Sort of that same sort yeah. of eclectic just uh all over the place uh display of of different collections of things but then as you go through this and as we go through the list you'll find other rooms some of which are actually based on like the national aquarium in baltimore maryland right and and things like that so i kind of dug it yeah on one hand yeah it, it looks a little crazy but there is a method to the madness well it it's not necessarily made for tons of visitors either it's not like you're going to have school kids walking through this it's i mean right they collectors do seem to like to share their collection and talk about them at least with certain people so i'm i'm sure that's still a thing but it's more like my rich friends will come over and hang out and and look at all of this stuff well as long as they don't have sticky appendages yes exactly uh so yeah so let's start with uh there was at first there was sort of a little bit of a uh attempt to group things together and then as we found random things and didn't want to renumber everything i just added it so uh we kind of started out with paintings uh we have and if you look at the list uh, i'm just going to use the numbers on the the list that we created so if you want to follow along with the uh the image that we tweeted out you can do that uh, so number one is the portrait that Captain Picard painted in TNG's A Matter of Perspective, uh, which is flipped horizontally for some reason. I don't know. It's like why that was done. But, uh, I uh, probably think that the collector didn't realize that he had a, a fake. A fake. <laughs> I would think that the real matter of perspective is probably in Picard's private gallery at Starfleet that we've yeah, seen what, in Picard. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, and I, don't doubt that a Ferengi has, you know, put one over on on a collector. Oh, sure. Here Probably or there. plenty so. of times. Yes. Well, and then we have uh, Data's Picasso-esque rendering of Spot from Inheritance. Uh, that one also feels like it shouldn't be here. So, you know, who knows where, where some of these things came from. Uh, we have a Monet landscape, and I know it has a name, and I haven't been able to find it, but we're also we're dealing with paintings of paintings so they don't look a hundred percent exactly like they would so kind of trying to figure that out isn't the easiest sometimes uh number four is a still life uh from vincent van gogh of uh pink roses and that one is one that i found two other ones that i thought they were and didn't like until it just hit me on the head i'm like oh it's a van gogh uh number five and this is this is one of those guesses that I'm like it's probably not this, but I, I like to believe it is. But it's really close. Yeah, it, it strongly resembles concept art by Chris Foss for the unmade version of Dune by Jordorowsky. Um And you would think like that's way too deep of a cut, but when you think about it, we've had a character from a show that was never made uh, <laughs> and mentioned, name checked, you know, so. We're, yeah, I don't. I have think a that they would it. go I there. It's probably legit. Yeah. Uh, number six, we have uh, a Mondrian-like painting. Uh, a, a couple of people have said, "Oh, it's from Data's uh, quarters," but when you look at the one in Data's quarters, it doesn't look exactly like this. So, I know they're just squares, and that's what people see, but there is a pattern. I to them. W- w- no, and there were different 
Mondrian's. I mean, so right. it could be one oh, from yeah. another collection. Of course, I see the thing. All I can picture is the Partridge family. Family. Uh, <laughs> shout out to John Champion um, there. Uh, but Travel yeah, just the school bus. There's a song that we're singing. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, get happy. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, let's see. Oh, sorry. Uh, and this is rounding out the paintings, at least I think at this part. Uh, number seven is uh, a painting of Niagara Falls by Frederick Edwin Church from 1857. And number eight is a painting that I've always actually really liked. It's the uh, cathedral uh, ruin. Uh, uh, ruin. It's, it's French, and I cannot speak French. Uh, by Claude Monet, it's uh, The Portal in Sunlight uh, from 1894. And I have always like that painting just oh, the light that it captures is kind of amazing you well, do not see it in this monet this is light painting. yeah so. yeah it's like literally the time of day somewhere is recorded that he painted it and you're like oh yeah that's totally like 1057 or whatever you know so that's pretty much it for the paintings uh although we might come back to one or two down below uh so number nine is the mars curiosity rover so it, it survived the Mars happenings on Picard. It, it was taken off probably before that happened. Oh, well, you know, now that I think about it, when does Lower Decks happens before the events of Mars uh, yes. catching on fire? So, yep. Yeah. So we know that it, it was safe, at least so in this collection. Is, so, yeah, so it at least made it out. Uh, yeah. I'm sure Bobak's uh, celebrating somewhere that his uh, rover made it off planet before it was destroyed. <laughs> he was at the premiere. I saw him kind of like oh, with a bunch of people around him. I didn't really feel like I wanted to come out and just like, hey, I, I know that you do Mars stuff and you live in my city. Bye. <laughs> like, oh, you, should, you should have introduced yourself. He is a Trekkie among Trekkies. He loved it. That's cool. Um, well, he is in Pasadena and so am I. So maybe we'll run into each other. There you go. Uh, number 10 is an unlabeled video game cabinet. And this sparked a lot of interesting conversation online. Really? We had people who swore it was Polybius, which is the urban legend of this uh, video game in Portland, Oregon in 1981. So around when you and I actually lived there. That like kids got... Uh, su it was something by the CIA, like an MK Ultra sort of thing that it... Uh, <laughs> It was training kids to be killers, or it was kidnapping them, or I don't know. It's, 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 uh, the thing is, one thing that we did know about the not real Polybius is that uh, it was a one player, a one person player. It was not this. This game has two controllers. Also, it has a controller with with uh, buttons to the right, and then a controller buttons to the left. So it's either you have to have a right handed person and a left handed person playing, or I mean, it's just it's a drawing. So I don't think it was obviously modeled after anything specific but uh both uh my roommate and i said what it looks like is one of those cabinets that plays multiple games because it has so many buttons and so many controllers it's like it's made to work with any game well i mean i like to think that it was uh you know sega's star trek strategic operations simulator but the stand-up <laughs> version because there was a reclined version and a stand-up right. uh cabinet model and so I kind of, so I kind of uh, had it in my head that it was the stand-up uh, strategic operation simulator because the button positions were similar. Yeah, and it is a Star Trek CRT stand-up video arcade cabinet. So I just had it in my head that's what it was. 
It's unlabeled, so sure. From an alternate yeah, universe so or something. It can be whatever I want it to be. <laughs> yes, it can be. And keeping in the gaming realm, we have a Nintendo Switch. Which was and... the first thing my daughter noticed when we watched the episode. <laughs> Seriously. Great. I'm sitting there It's with on my for like two frames. It is not that long at all. No, she has the eyes of an eagle, and she just sort of went, there's my Nintendo Switch. I'm like, well, it's not your Nintendo Well, it could be. It's the future. <laughs> so who knows? Maybe it is your Nintendo Switch. But that was like that's the first funny. thing she called out. <laughs> I feel like that's why it, my graphic design brain, I'm good at pattern recognition. So it's like that's why finding Easter eggs is sort of my thing. <laughs> uh, and, above, and on that same shelf is also a fidget spinner. Because why not? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and... Number 12, we're moving into kind of more, more of your territory in TOS. Uh, it mm. appears to be a uh, I, possibly yeah, Uhura or a Mares. Uh, I'd like to think because, again, it's lower decks and it's animation. I'd love to think that it's Mares. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could easily be Uhura. The funny thing is, the way it looked just sitting in the cabinet, and yeah, I know there's only so many ways you can put a Starfleet right. uniform dress and a cabinet, but it looked mm-hmm. almost identical to a display at San Diego Comic-Con a few years ago. Uh, Prop Store of London had an original Uhura velour dress in oh, a wow. cabinet, and it looked almost identical to that. And so That's I just thought, cool. oh, this is weird. I've seen this before. <laughs> and on the ground, I didn't put it in here because it's almost like another... Like, uh, to the right of... I believe the Valiant Probe and the Terran Empire flag, which we will get to, um, is another uniform that looks exactly the same. So, so if maybe want, they're both represented. They're both there. Yeah, exactly. So, and and the the the, the striping is correct on the uh, for the, its lieutenant sleeves and, right. and all that. So uh, they got it correct. Oh wait, it can't be. If we're well, if we're going to say that they're making the badges correctly, although they didn't with one of our last uh, Easter eggs. Uh, if it was Mares, it would be a pointy. Uh, the animated series. Uh, Delta, yeah, and it's not. So it yeah. probably is Uhura, although who knows. Uh, so number 13. Uh, the Horta egg, which, you know, I've got one laying around here somewhere. It's never hatched, but... Um, I I just loved that. I mean, you see a silicone orb like that, your brain immediately goes to Horta. Yeah. Just, yeah. For people who don't know any of this, they're just like, oh, it's some sort of, you know, it's it's just a a cool, glossy ball, a sphere inside of it. Yeah. I just, it's, you wonder sometimes, like, what, uh, what people who watch this show but are not as immersed into the lore as we are, what must go through their mind? Right. Well, I would I, hope I mean, that people and, would be like encouraging them to like, oh, I'm going to go find out what that is. I don't know. I, you you posed an interesting question. What goes through their minds? Um, my mind must be really weird because when I saw 14, uh, the Magatu skeleton, and yes, I, mm-hmm. I'm using the pronunciation from the episode, um, the Magatu skeleton. I went somewhere fictionally in my head and created this entire idea that the horn of a Magatu, there would be like a black trade market for something like that in the Star Trek universe. And people, you know, would be, you know, vying for these sort of things. And maybe there's some sort of weird medicinal quality to it. And for some reason, I just went down this rabbit hole of thinking, what are the implications of a Magatu skeleton 
just being in someone's collection. Is that something that would get them in trouble with the Federation to a certain extent? I'd like <laughs> yeah. to think so. Um, and from so, the trailers yeah. we've seen, they're going to show up again. We're going to see them, the Magato, uh, Magato in um, this season. Yes. I'm Which, excited. unless Mugatus have de- developed space travel, means that we're going to go back <laughs> to that planet. And yeah. maybe we're going to see medicine women and, you know, villagers who hopefully have thrown down their firearms by now. Uh, but it, it just, I just, the possibilities are endless, and I love it. I would, I don't know if this would ever happen, but I'd love to see them go back to Sigma Iosha. Wait, is that a... Yeah, the the the, yeah. the gangster planet, and just see what happens. What's what's happened with that society? The most recent uh, Joshua Jackson Miller uh, novel, um, Renegade, no Rogue. Um, wow, I'm not. I, I will I will edit this in in the future. You'll hear from from future Aaron. We'll we'll actually clean that up. Uh, but they have they they talk about that that civilization. So I just well, think it's, it's pretty cool. I, I, I mean, and I've lost track now of how many times you and I have talked about it, because I, I think pretty much every Trekkie, especially ones that are fond of TOS, we want to we want closure there. We want to know what happened when McCoy yeah. left his communicator behind. Yeah. Are they now just, all pretend Starfleet or, you know, I'd love to think that they're not just a pretend Starfleet, but if they have some sort of ship's. Uh, available to them that just every room in the ship looks like the transporter room because that's all anybody ever saw. Well, yeah, that, that's funny because the mild spoiler for the book, there's a there's a comment at one point where it's just like somebody says something and and Rios is just like, how much was in that book? You know, it's like, it's like, like that. Why would that be in there? You know, it's like or whatever the comment was. Uh, oh, I think it was like, oh, maybe you want to go get some magic beans. It's like, why was Jack and the Beanstalk inside of your 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 nineteen ninety two gangster book? I love so, it. I yeah. love it. Uh, okay, so and the next one we have another skeleton, a Gorn skeleton, and another and, TOS reference. Well, by or way of discovery. discovery, yes, because yeah. we did we did first see the skeleton in uh, Lorca's menagerie. Yeah, in, which uh, I love how they. Context I love how that was, yeah, context, yes. And I love that that was sort of a little clue, a little hint to who Lorca really was, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. because it did seem sort of weirdly anti-Starfleet that a starship captain would have the skeleton of a sentient being just chilling in his little private lab yeah. area thing. It, it certainly seemed anomalous. I guess well, I mean, the half-dissected Tribble was worrisome yeah. also. But. Well, I I really would have liked, honestly, this was my headcanon, which uh, we're actually going to do an episode of Infinite Trek next week with a special guest uh, that talks about headcanon. And one of oh, my cool. headcanons wanted to be that that the massive reproduction of Klingon of Tribbles was actually created by Lorca as an experiment where the Tribbles weren't like the replicating kind before until he got there and he turned them into a biological weapon, which is what they talk about in TAS and why they created the glomer to eat them. But I'm like, that would have been really cool. Instead, we got that horrible, horrible short about the trouble with Edward. Bite your tongue. That is, I, I, I always joke. It's like, oh, start. Everybody loves Star Trek. You can love what you want or whatever. That is literally the one thing. If I could just excise it from the the whole, it's like gone. 
That's see, I you can I, keep I, Threshold, you can keep Spock's <laughs> brain. Just get rid of Edward because no, it. That's what I was afraid Lower Decks was going to be like. Oh well, and thankfully yeah, it did it not didn't. turn out like that. It didn't. Um, but again, at it, the same it, it time, it was I'm... mean. The people were bad. It was just like no, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, at the same time, I get it because, <laughs> okay, so not everything could could withstand the Roddenberry edict of no conflict. And especially right. in a pre-TNG world, I don't mind seeing a dysfunctional starship. I think it's kind of interesting. And I'll take H. John dysfunctional, Benjamin but not and anything like, I can get him in. Uh, <laughs> dysfunctional, but not dumb. That's what's, That was the problem. Right. Anyway. Uh, moving on, <laughs> back to more TOS. Uh, number 16 is, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the exact one, but it does look like the SS Valiant's uh, disaster recorder. Yeah, and um, it could be from any other ship, but at the same yeah. time, I gotta think that maybe, again, Mike's team is playing with where No Man Has Gone Before a little bit this season. Because mm-hmm. we've already had Gary Mitchell, right? Uh, you know, obliquely, but yeah, and then a direct you know, correlation to Gary Mitchell with Ransom. And now we've got the Valiant's disaster recorder. And so I'm just kind of like, are we going to start seeing more stuff from where no man's gone before? Cause I, that episode doesn't quite get enough love. In my opinion, I love that. It's this halfway point in the timeline between the cage and TOS proper. And mm-hmm. I'd love to see more of it. I love that they're playing with it. Plus Gary Mitchell is just a cool character. Uh, for the video version, I've just popped up the uh, the grid in the middle of the of the uh, between us. I don't know why I didn't do that before. Um, oh, that's cool. So, uh, so moving on to number seventeen, uh, we have the salt vampire, uh, a, a like stuffed or preserved version. Uh, or maybe from she's the just really, really still. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you never know. Maybe she's just Until like she's being uh, waiting. <laughs> yeah, waiting for more salt. You yeah. know, um, and I dig that this is now the second time we've seen a salt vampire in Lower Decks. Yep. You know, they, there's uh, the, you know, Ransom's ill-fated yeah. gate. Yeah. It's like, oh, they haven't, we haven't seen one of those for a hundred years. And then, brah. Ah, salt vampire. Yeah. That was great. <laughs> that felt very uh, Simpsons, like, ah, bees or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> Um, in the background of this uh, of the picture is also the statue that Mariner was kind of playing around with, which is has a Roman soldier's head, no arms. And I've heard some people say, oh, it's from Who Mourns for Adonais. But I've gone through that. Who Mourns for Adonais is Greek first. And everything was just like, you know, beautiful Grecian women. And they all had heads. There was a, this is, you know, Adonais was not the the uh, post-destruction of, of Greece or Roman culture, it was, you know, until at the very end when, when Kirk blew up the, the temple, the basically. Temple. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was all intact. And then you had mentioned, possibly, that it might be from... Yeah, uh, Bread and Circuses. Bread and which Circuses. I really need to go through Bread and Circuses with a fine-tooth comb now, because yeah. I think it's I, probably from there. And I did a quick search, and I believe that some of the statues actually are from Who Mourns for Adonais that just sort of popped up again, because... You know, they're props, and people well, reuse props. Well, you, or parallel planet development, man. They're not props. True. They're they're the same because planets develop similarly on TOS. I'm talking about real life. <laughs> Behind the scenes, sure. the, the whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So number 18, this is why we have more than 50, because some of these have multiple images in, inside of it. Uh, Tendi oh, yeah. is holding three items. Uh, left to right, she has the... I guess they called it the Trident Scanner in the I love Trials that. and Tribulations, but it's the uh, Ray Generator and Energy Neutralizer, is what the, the prop was called in TOS. Scotty props. Scotty props. I love them. And I and love they, seeing them again. I believe that they're uh, like a, a mic. A thing like with a three-pronged mic. Yeah, I think so. And um, it's some audio the, equipment of some kind. Well, plus that's very TOS, right? We need a prop right. quick. Grab a microphone. I mm-hmm. mean, look at the thing that they use to mask heartbeats. Heartbeats, yeah. In uh, just in, totally a yeah in court martial. Yeah, and that that they didn't even bother to disguise that. It's no. just a mic. <laughs> so. Uh, like that you could turn and then it like that whole thing was weird i just like masking your heart are heartbeats really that detectable <laughs> like, okay um that it seems like there has to be a better way besides hearing the heart to determine like maybe body temperature or something i don't know well with the breathing capa- is probably louder <laughs> yeah with the sensor capabilities of the enterprise's computer i'd like to think that you don't have to <laughs> manually turn off the yes. heartbeat of the guy in the transporter room. There's got to be a better way of doing yeah. that. But, and as know. a kid, like seven or eight, even then I was like, what? Like, I don't know. So I always wondered, it was just me not understanding about the show. And then later watching, like, no, it was just that didn't make sense. <laughs> oh, sure. Well, at least you were watching it at seven or eight. And you're like, did they just mask that guy's heartbeat? I was watching it at four. And I'm like, did they just kill the guy in the transporter room? <laughs> Turned its heart off. I mean, that's, I didn't even I think mean, about that. That's not where my brain went. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe I was a darker four-year-old. I don't know. Well, I also was born with a heart condition, so heart stuff ah. is always in the top of my mind. So I probably figured, like, oh, okay, it's like an EKG, but just quieter now. Well, at least know. you have a happier memory because I was literally, <laughs> I think, for a beat there, I'm like, they totally just killed the guy in the transporter room. What did they use the thing from Kirk's wall in Mirror Mirror? What just happened? <laughs> so. I think uh, for me, it was the stuff that freaked me out was like the Outer Limits or the one where the, I think it was the Outer Limits or Twilight Zone where this woman is, it's just getting hotter and hotter and the earth, you know, it's like it's getting closer to the sun. And then she wakes up and she's blessedly cool because she had a fever. And like, as a kid, I really could identify with that because I was sick a lot. Um, and then it turns out, no, the, the earth is actually going further and further away and they're freezing. And just like every time I get a fever, I would think of that. And it would just like freak me out that the world was going to end somehow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You um, got me beat. That was my, that was my little kid, kid uh, <laughs> freak out. Um, okay. So let me go back and finish number 18. Sorry about that, people. Uh, so we had the ray generator from TOS and then we went off on a tangent. There's the Curlon, uh, Curlin uh, Nascos from The Chase, which is the almost like the Matrushka. Uh, Russian nesting dolls. Oh, yeah, like a babushka. Uh, You know, that's like one of my favorite props from TNG ever. Because I love the concept of it. The idea that, you know, the the individual is made up of many little individuals. And I love sort of the, the, not poetry, but just the, the, the concept around the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, which was and visually really it was a nice and... design as well. Oh, and yeah, then in generations, fantastic. he just sort of tossed it off to the side when his which I hated, <laughs> yeah. which I hated, and I completely like he would not do that. that moment. No, he yep. wouldn't. 
especially you know not just how rare it was <laughs> and how much how much airspace uh patrick stewart took up telling us how important the curl on nascos was but then that and, it come and from the, his mentor yes exactly you know and then yeah. he's like nah, i got my photo album i'm good let's yeah. get out of here number one uh, uh what? well maybe he assumed that someone's gonna come back and like they were gonna do cleanup and repair or, or recovery well uh, i think that's but, how i think that's probably how this particular collector got a lot of this stuff i'd like to think that oh when starfleet was sending out ships to go and retrieve and salvage the enterprise d i'd like to think that some ferengi got in there and salvaged it first that's funny like, yeah you know man we've got to get here before starfleet does man well there were Which, some starfleet people already there but yeah indeed um so we also have uh, the Anaran musical instrument from Voyager's episode "Remember," which is this sort of like guitar esque sort of little instrument, but instead of like a hole in the center where your strings are, is a basically a, a kind of a globe, and you move your hands on top of it, and it makes it's almost like the equivalent of a, a, a what is it uh, the uh, it makes the the <laughs> The fifties, what is? Uh, oh, like a theremin. Theremin. Is that how Thank you play you. the thing? Is like a theremin. It kind of. I mean, you 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 don't ever touch it. You just sort of move your hands over it. I've actually saw, like, I think it's one of the few theremins that are is in California that this guy travels around and plays. And he was at the museum down the street that was having a science fiction exhibit. And so he would come in every once in a while and just play it. And it was just like. He played uh, TNG, which is really f- weird to hear that theme on a, a theremin. I've seen a I've seen a YouTube video some time ago of someone playing the original series theme song on uh, theremin, and it's nice, really awesome. This also I wanted to point out is probably my favorite item on this list because as someone who lives and breathes TOS. I didn't recognize it when you first showed it to me. I'm ah. like, I have no idea. Oh what yeah, that I remember is. this. And you're just like, it has to be from Voyager. And, and I instantly it, went like, it clicked. I was like, oh my god, you're right. And then I was like, <laughs> because there there was a few that like really took us like two days to figure out because oh, just yeah. like, and it mostly happened when I was about to jump onto a Zoom meeting with a client. Suddenly I would remember, and the the look on their face is like, why are you so excited about whatever you're excited about? It's like. <laughs> It's like, trust me, it will make no difference to you. Um, that's awesome. But yeah, that's so, probably yeah. the thing on this list I'm most fond of because that's cool. I, 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 if I didn't recognize it, it's because it's from Voyager and it just happened to be so. It did be. Uh, number 19, you are right. Actually, I did break that up. 19 and 48 are now separate. So number 19 is the Terran Empire flag. So awesome. Not sure where that came from, but Still and it is the, the Terran Empire to... from TOS, not from discovery right and still one of the coolest images that came out of tos like i love tos design and the symbol that they came up with to represent the uh the empire was just awesome Mm -hmm. so good right up there with you know the klingon symbol and the starfleet arrowhead it's just great yeah yeah definitely uh number 20 we have uh two items the bottom one I'll start with first is the filter mask from the cloud minders. And that was another one that we were just like, you don't watch enough TOS because I, I saw it in my head. I saw it on somebody's face. I just like couldn't place it. And I'm like, it's a, 
it's like it's a mask of some kind. And I just kept going back to the uh, rarely seen TMP aliens that have like the black mask, but there was nothing underneath it. I'm like, that isn't what it is. You figured figured it out. What's fun is um, I've seen a bunch of those recently. It was a very popular, if ironic, item Mm -hmm. at Creation's 55-year mission uh, convention in Las Vegas. Because of COVID. uh, Last week, because of COVID. And if you're cosplaying TOS, why not have the mask from the Cloud Minders? built in, It was kind of perfect. Um, There's a couple of masks in TOS. There are. But I I love visually for TOS... The the one from Cloudminders is perfect because just the like colors. everything in TOS, you've got the primary colors of the mm-hmm. the little vials underneath it. It it's it's just terrific. Was it like little charcoal 60s. things or something? Like yeah, I it, well they were the little plastic uh, vials are kind of like plastic filter holders. Right. I think the colored uh, material on the inside is literally just goldfish rocks. Oh, okay. Fish tanks. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Readily available uh, also, and already in those colors, so that's cool. Yeah, that would be easy to get. Yeah, um, or cereal. I just put it. <laughs> right. Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> um, so, and and the same image is also a paperback of the Hotel Royale, and you have a story about that. Well, a partial story. It's not my story to tell. And I'm not going to out who found it. Uh, although I'll say he's a, a friend of uh, friend of ours and a, a fellow podcaster. Um, and also a noted TV writer. And he was on a set recently, within the last year, year and a half or so, and was during some downtime during setups, was walking around the set and was looking at the bookshelves on the set and actually found the paperback prop from the Royale of the book, uh, The Hotel Royale. Sent me a picture of it and was like, look what I just found. And um, of course it was just set decorating uh, right. a, a a set somewhere either in the valley or or on one of the, in one of the studios and uh he kind of i think he went over to set deck and just sort of asked hey um can i have this can i have this <laughs> yeah. and they're like why do you want it it's a ratty <laughs> old paperback and he's like yeah, no, just you know reasons and, i read this uh, when i was a kid that's <laughs> You know, it sits in his collection today, but it's just That's great. crazy to think that somehow that paperback ended up on a set on a modern sitcom yeah. in the 2020s. Uh, what are the odds? And that's when somebody took it home, and then later it was passed down to their kids and their other kid, and then the kid went into space. And then, <laughs> and there you go. Took, and that, took the and book that's of the how it ends up yeah. in the episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, 21 and 22 are a lot of weapons, and we're like about halfway through, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just kind of zip through these pretty quickly. Uh, so 21, we've got a Batleth and a Mechleth. Uh, yeah, and, uh, double, this, and, and at this point, like you were saying, I don't even know if a Batleth counts anymore because there's Batleths <laughs> all over Star Trek. Well, and there's another Batleth in here that I did not pull out that I got grief for not putting in. Um, it's a special... Uh, one that was either in the Sword of Kalis episode, or there's one that was given to Balana in Prophecy. It's the only one. Oh. It has like a, a special divot in the center that's different from most Batleths. So it is a specific Batleth. I just kind of was at three in the morning, which is when I wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> was like, mm, 
it can wait. I'll just talk to it. But uh, yeah, so there is that. Uh, let's see what else is on this one. Uh, okay, there's an Andorian uh, Ushan, the uh, that blade from uh, uh, Enterprise episode United, right? And then my favorite thing, the Lirpa. Yeah, I mean the Vulcan uh, Lirpa. Yeah, which so cool. Mariner w- wields later, which she picks I'm... it up as a weapon. Which I know they ran to the uh, escape pods by the end of the episode, but I just, I want to know, like, did Mariner somehow end up escaping with that? Like, will we see it later on in her stash of contraband? Oh, that'd be interesting. That'd be She awesome. has one already, though, didn't she? Or something similar. Was there a Lerpa in there? I, th- I can't maybe. remember. I don't know. I have to go back and look at for a season. Um, and uh, we also have a Jem'Hadar uh, sword. Kartarkin? Uh, Kartarkin? K-A-R apostrophe T-A-K-I-N from DS9's uh, To the Death. Uh, And then the next one, (laughs) next to it, which the three other swords, uh, we have Sulu's Rapier from TOS. At least we assume it it is. It has to be Sulu's Rapier because it's it's been called out so many times in Lower Decks already. Right. That uh, if you see a rapier among other swords from Star Trek, it's got to be Sulu's Rapier. Yeah. Uh, there's a Klingon, quote, Klingon sword. That's pretty much all it's called. Um, from Worf's Wall in TNG. It's also Which, included in... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, I say it's included in the Playmates toy as well. It's that same design. Right. And uh, actually, I had that Playmates toy. I still have that somewhere. It's actually in this office somewhere. But <laughs> uh, interestingly, I think the, the Klingon sword, yeah, there's a pair of them crossed as a display in Worf's quarters, but uh, I had another friend of mine point out to me that when Worf duels Duras and kills Duras, mm-hmm. Duras was fighting with that sword. Oh. So, so maybe Worf it's his, kills like... him with a Batleth, but Duras was using that sword. I wonder if that's so, the sword that he picked up and put on the wall. Could be. That before i don't yeah yeah i'd have to go look but yeah okay. no so duras fought wharf with that sword we have a discovery call out uh laurel's royal t-a-j-t-l-q i actually should have asked mary how to pronounce that uh it's one of two blades because they normally there's two two designs that are similar so it's one of those two blades so that's nice to see a little bit of discovery there yeah yeah, and a f- and really nice prop. I've you know I've seen it with my yeah. own eyes. It's gorgeous. They were at, dis- at uh, Comic Con and at STLV, I believe. Yeah, and I love that it was represented here. Uh, yeah. It's just fantastic. So next one is something that you and I have been talking about a little bit. Uh, number twenty three <laughs> is Khan's necklace, and if you remember, Khan was. Um, on the Reliant, when the Reliant went boom. <laughs> so, yeah. How? And he was kind of not just ground zero. I mean, dude was yeah. leaning up against the Genesis, the Genesis device, device when it went yeah. off. Um, I would think it would have been atomized, but blah, who knows? Start, uh, you know, parallel universe, magic, parallel, a, yes. a time traveling collector or something, which means maybe he was beamed out and Khan escaped. Maybe which Khan is I'd frozen okay somewhere, and he could show up on lower decks, which would be great. I mean, he did have a remarkable pen shot for survival. Um, yep. Yeah, like, why not? And or, like you said, alternate universe, we've already seen something 
from the alternate universe and yeah. the Terran Empire flag. Right. So, yeah, I mean, hey, it's it Khan's necklace. Cool. Yep. Uh, don't know how it's there, but I'm, I'll give in to the mystery. And I've been in an enormous Star Trek two mood lately, so I'll yes. take anything I can get. Yep. You've been doing some, some fun badge work. Oh, well, yeah. But, you know, spoilers. Just, just <laughs> check your Twitter feed. <laughs> so, number 24 is a Class 8 probe. But besides that, I had kind of left it at that because it was like a Kalar was in one of those. And, but specifically, I think this one is holding the body of Ira Graves from the Schizoid Man because it's got I, a little oh. window. <laughs> and if you look at the, the – I can't zoom in on this, unfortunately, on the, on the screen. But if you look in, it looks like maybe you can see like a little face in the, the Which... faraway shot. Why not? So, I mean, this episode yeah. already has so many skeletons in it. What's one more? There's a yeah. There's a little bit of dark stuff. Here. Uh, number twenty five is a Betazoid gift box, which was also famous for Armin Shimmerman's uh, yep. first appearance, but not first recording. Or no, wait, this was. I take that back. It's the first recording, not first appearance. So this is the first thing he ever recorded for Star Trek. Was the because hmm. this was from Haven, but we see him in the last outpost beforehand as as a Ferengi. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So I, yeah. I, you know, these things are usually filmed and then aired out of order anyway. So right. That's I'm what, yeah. Kind of like, wait, where was it? Um, yeah. So no, yeah, I, I looked it up, but he was, he was, uh, yeah, he was, it was recorded first, but, uh, yeah. So this is a silver box with a face on it that creepily talks to you and then pops open and spits out stuff. I mean, Betazoids are weird folks. Yeah. Uh, a gift box with a, <laughs> eerily lifelike face in it i'll sure i don't know that i'd want one to you know at my next birthday party but eh, eh, you know hey there are worse things <laughs> true it's a little disturbing uh, but okay so we're halfway through the list we're now at number 25 uh 26 is a two for one we have the game from the game it's the 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 what the the disc in the cone game basically right I always wondered, like, if you were going to label that or create a like, art box for or box art for the uh, that game, what it would be because it's just so um, dumb. Somebody at a convention, I think it was STLV twenty nineteen. Somebody was handing out flyers for the game. Yes, mm -hmm. I have one somewhere. Um, yeah, I've got one somewhere in here too, and that was just genius because yeah. it sort of described the game and the benefits of playing it and. Sort of like, I have wow, to find it's... it somewhere. I've got a picture of the two people who are doing that because they have their the the game piece the uh, uh, on, um, but they're in the room. It was I don't remember which it was one of the the ballrooms that had a bar in it, but there are these towers that come up and connect to the ceiling that look just like the cones mm -hmm. from the show. So I've got a picture of them in front of it. So that was kind of fun. That's genius. You know, um, and again, uh, the the game sort of proves what you could get away with in syndication. If that had been on uh, NBC at 8 p.m., I'd imagine that standards and practices might have a slight problem with the game. Maybe. Because um, there was it, sort of a, like a salacious thing going yeah. on with it, too. Yeah, very uh, like just... orgasmic when you... Yeah. yeah which is was... what it was doing, basically. It was triggering the pl pleasure centers of your brain every time and you... programming you to do weird things so yeah, yeah. I, 
I don't know. It, I I always found that episode just a little off-putting and yet interesting. I never liked it time. either. Yeah. I mean, I like I liked it, but it was this, it was one of those like you don't want to watch because you know what's going to happen. At least, I don't know. I was like as a kid, I was that hundred percent. But was that, a, uh, was oh, that the first appearance of Ensign Robin Leffler? 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 Uh, I, I, I think so. I think. Or is so. it the Just, second one where this is where you never see her again? I don't know. I think. Yeah, I can't remember. She only yeah. had like two appearances. So that was a famous actress um, whose name has just left my head. Oh, that's uh, Ashley Judd. Ashley Judd. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, speaking of, of connections and names, the person who wrote the game, uh, John Culver, not really, that was his name in TAS, but um, Fred Bronson wrote the last episode of TAS, the counterclock incident, and he oh, worked for NBC. So and in, with the, he was part of the uh, standards and practices. He was like one of the, and promotion. So really, yeah. So he, wow. he, he was the one who uh, got to review all of the reels for TAS to see if, you know, he, he pre-reviewed them and then somebody else came and reviewed them afterwards, I guess. Um, so the reason he changed his name for the to John Culver, which is funny because like I always think of the reason I never remember which is his real name is there's Bronson Canyon and Culver City here in Los Angeles. Oh. So it's like my brain is like they're both fake. Um, but uh, no, but Fred uh, changed his name because since he worked for NBC, it didn't want it to be like any view of impropriety for writing yeah, or for the conflict show. Of interest, like, yeah, yeah, con- you know like the Jeopardy thing right now, but hopefully not with that bad background. Uh, but then he wrote uh, Menage a Troy and the game. So Interesting. he came back in and did more, more TNG or more Strek. So yeah. I love it. Uh, number 27 is the uh, Catan probe from the inner light. Fan favorite. I mean, everybody yeah. loves that thing. Um. I wonder, you know, did they ever find any other chambers in there? Because really kind of slightly anticlimactic and yet beautiful and poetic all at the same time that the only thing inside of it was the uh, was the flute. Yeah, I'd like to think that maybe they just, you know, ignored one of the other doors that opened on later on and had something else cool in there from their culture. A seed from the last plant or something like that? Yeah, just something. I mean, kind of like, yeah. okay, I get it. It's great. Flute. Awesome. But that's the only artifact from your culture that you're going to send into space? Okay. To be fair, their culture was really boring. <laughs> I, I, uh... I know everyone loves that episode. <laughs> to me, it feels like spending a lifetime in a suburb of Phoenix. It, just, it was just like, oh, wow. Well, I think when it comes down to it, my only thing is I would have loved to have seen, and this would happen in today's era of, you know, more serialized storytelling. I would have loved to have seen more as Picard continued to live out his life, influenced by his time as Cayman the Iron Weaver. Yeah. You know, that would have been Or even flashbacks to things that he experienced in the probe. Yeah. Because he basically um, has a whole other set of lifetime memories there, maybe. But again, magic reset button. At least he yeah, had yeah, the yeah. flute in other episodes. But yeah, really... no, it, things did. There was a little bit of carry through. That's nice. Yeah. Um, number 28 is the, again, the Kurlon or Kurlin Nascos. Uh, <laughs> Talk the big, about the big... magic reset button. Yes. <laughs> we Blink. were talking about that a little bit ago. Uh, 
and there's a guitar there, and I don't know if it is because, but if if we're talking about things, all everything has some sort of reference. Uh, it's possibly LQ Sonny Clemens guitar from the Neutral Zone. Yeah, that's where my mind went. One too. of the, the 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 time traveler, not time travelers, the uh, the cryonically frozen people from the nineties. Yeah, and really, you know, what there was a lot to love with Sonny. He was. A weirdo, yeah. but look, yeah, he's, you know, 300 years on and he just wants to party. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Send him to Ryza. But, uh, 29 is the masks from uh, the, the Masaka mask from Masks. And An you, would think, was... you would think that that would be the thing we'd want to forget. Yeah. But it's not. That's further down on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. Oh, they, oh I, I can't even know what you're talking about. Yes. I, I, I'm um, sure you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's a toss-up. The mask yeah. or the Or the thing. other thing. And, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. When we get thing. to that, we'll say, well, maybe we'll do a, a, a viewer poll. Which would you rather forget? <laughs> the masks or this the other thing? Or the um, other thing. Yeah. What if, if you had to have something displayed in your home? Let's put it that way. Oh, uh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Uh, okay, so the next thing is is Odo's bucket. So I don't know if Odo just you know got a different bucket and this got passed. Like hopefully well, Odo's like not in that, that bucket. He had multiple buckets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you have to have I, it in different places if you're like I want to have one at home. I want to have one on the ship, and you know, like yeah, like I would station buckets around. Yeah, I don't want to just have to carry my bucket around. And also, if you're traveling. Yeah. A little weird. Everybody else has got little bags or maybe just a, a data card so that they can, mm-hmm. you know, uh, use a replicator to print out their wardrobe wherever they get. But <laughs> right. you got to carry this bucket around. And then it invites questions. What's that? Oh, that's my yeah. bucket. I sleep in it. What? <laughs> huh? It looks like a spittoon. It's not a spittoon. Yeah. It's a bucket. And don't use it as a spittoon because I've had that happen to me. And gross. Yeah. But... You know, as I recall, though, he left his bucket in the care of Kira Norris. Yes, at the end of uh, the very last episode. Yeah, which also, weird gift. I'd like to think that she keeps it around and uh, it's Put a vase. plant in it. Like she, yeah. She's got some plants, some flowers in there. Mm-hmm. You know. Didn't she? Isn't that what it started as? Or I swear at some point I saw flowers in that. Or I'm imagining that. I don't maybe know. I'm imagining it. Okay. Yeah. I maybe I saw. Maybe a fan made one and used it as a flower pot. It would be awesome. Although I know what I want my urn someday to look like. There you go. I mean, dark, but why not? Odo's yeah. bucket. Sure. Sure. Uh, and keeping in the Deep Space Nine theme, number thirty-one is a baseball, and there's a bat that you can't see. Um, so assuming that's somehow related to Cisco, uh, it doesn't have signatures and stuff on it, so it's not. Well, the one on his desk didn't have signatures on it. Or maybe later on it did. I thought it It appeared in a few episodes. But for most of... Maybe not. Yeah, for most of Deep Space Nine, it just was a baseball. Right. So... Uh, And then the Logicians, uh, the Vulcan (laughs) team that fought against them, has a hat uh, on a stand in there. I saw one of those walking around uh, the convention last week, so... Uh, number 33 is Neelix's chef uniform or outfit with his uh, apron and hat, which that was fun. Cause when we were first looking at this, the f- instantly, because at a distance, it looks a little bit like the, uh, card soldiers from Alice in Wonderland. Oh yeah. And so we were just like, Oh, okay. It's the, you know, it's, it's from, 
uh, TAS because that was the only one where we actually saw those from the 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 planet uh, the what I'm trying to say the vacation planet uh, oh. amusement park planet uh, but uh, no it's not so because later you can see a hat you see the hat closer up and you're like oh that's a chef's hat oh it's that <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Uh, and keeping in Voyager's theme, uh, number 34 is the Coppscott game that uh, Naomi Wildman was always seen playing. Oh, that's what that is. Seven. Yep. Kind of like Othello or mm-hmm. Connect Four, <laughs> kind of, or something. Uh, I don't think they ever had rules uh, to it that we could intuit, at least from the from the TV show. No, like not, not laid out as well as Fizben. Right. <laughs> Uh, number 35 is uh, the isomagnetic uh, dis- uh, disintegrator that Worf had in uh, Insurrection. Right. Uh, and number 36 is uh, Chateau Picard cases of, we assume, champagne or uh, wine. And that was that was nice. There was a bit of continuity there with the with the label on the cases. Yeah. Being reminiscent not only of the actual wine that you can go and purchase, mm-hmm. but what we've seen in episodes of Picard. I yeah. that was I appreciated that. That was cool. And in that uh, same image is some sort of like an orange cylinder with sort of almost like little pokey horns at the top. No one knows what this is. Like, I... It looks like we should know what it is. It looks like it could be Cardassian or Klingon or something. Well, the color and... threw me off. I went down it's a orange-ish. rabbit hole. Uh, well, it's sort of bronzy, orangish, yeah. and really, for, uh, until I pulled it up and uh, was sadly disappointed that it was a different thing, I thought it was containers of, uh, and I'm, I can't remember if I'm pronouncing this correctly, phacelium. The, oh, Felicium. Um, Felicium, thank you. Yes. Much better pronunciation. <laughs> yes, uh, which, yes. of course, was the drug that Merritt Buttrick's character yep. was addicted to, uh, although that was a his culture was unaware kind of that they were being right, addicted. They, were, they yeah. thought it was medicine. Yep. Um, and he was being manipulated by Joachim, of all people, from Star Trek II, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the container they had in the actual cargo hold was the same color as that. Like the little small handheld one that, uh, for lack of a better term, the episode's antagonist had was more silver. They were the same color, but they were like long and thin. Yeah. 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 Uh, Well, it's a generic prop that we saw used all over TNG through the seven years of it. But um, it was a lot of different things. The thing in front of the cases of Chateau Picard, no idea. If somebody's no. got it, hit us up on Twitter because yes, we're dying please. to know. Uh, oh, I forgot one thing. Going back to number 26 real quick. The game is sitting on top of the paper mache head of Picard from <laughs> Captain Picard Day. I keep skipping over that every time I look at that. So I remember when I first looked at it, it didn't immediately click. But I'm like, that's a really like childlike version of the, the TNG badge. I'm like, oh, child. Kid made it. It is. Yeah. <laughs> He's a role model. Um, <laughs> he is. It was a nice touch. Yeah. Uh, number 37. So we have uh, uh, a trombone. So we're assuming it's Riker's trombone or maybe William Riker's trombone, you know, given I'd the, like to this think episode. I'd like to think it's his. I, I, I'm telling you, there's a bunch of stuff here from the salvaged Enterprise D. Yeah, um, I like that idea. Yeah. Or maybe it's, okay. no, you know, now that I think about it, it's perhaps not 
will riker's trombone it could be uh thomas riker's Riker's trombone Mm -hmm. because of course will gave him their uh trombone that they'd had their whole lives he that's presented right. that to him when he left the Enterprise D. Um, and maybe so, because Thomas Riker is what in jail now, right? Right. In theory. And that maybe his possessions fell into the hands of someone else and voila. Which this wouldn't be the only Thomas Riker reference in this episode. Right, exactly. So yeah, sure. Let's 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 go with that. So and yeah, my a head canon t- is it's Tom's. Yeah, Sorry. no, I, I agree. So there's a pair of tennis shoes and no one will tell me what this is. <laughs> like I asked, I literally asked the the, the production company, and they're like, "No, we're not calling you." Um, so it could be, yeah, it could be Air Jordans. Uh, your idea is it might be the Reebok Alien Stompers shoes um, that we saw a few years ago back that were what uh, Ripley yeah, was Ripley, wearing in Alien. Yeah, Ripley wears them, and then they've also been an object of obsession. For people mm-hmm. that collect shoes, um, yeah, the the Air Jordans, like they could be, but I think the Air Jordans have more black in them. Yeah, uh, the these have got some sort of weird spat over the laces. That's what makes me think of yep. bug stompers, or they're um, just tennis shoes, or they're just tennis shoes. Yeah, I'm like great. So no idea. Uh, so if you know that, or if anybody has a concept of what it might be, please hit us up. I actually even looked up. I never found it, but I did remember that uh, Wesley had. There was a cut scene of Wesley showing off a new pair of shoes to his friends in Ten Forward, but they were sort of like purple suede boot things. Yeah, we also properly. thought we also thought they might be related to Boimler when he was in his cool clothes yep. phase uh, last season. But nah, nah the, we looked it back. It's like it's the right colors, but not the right shape at all. No. Um, and then thirty-eight is just a Starship Duty Insignia TAS era, TAS TOS era. It well, looks like TOS, TAS, or I mean. yeah, or it's uh, there's a it since Matt, there's a Matt Jeffries reference in this episode that we'll talk about when we get to the end of these. Uh, also possible that it's the the original sketch of the first Delta, which looks very similar to that, and it was on this yellowish trans uh, transparent paper, kind of like vellum. Mm. So could be that too, right? Uh, it was the same sketch that had the. Uh... The cage jackets, yes, uh, and yeah, in yeah. in front and center on the page. But yeah, that yeah, was from the Roddenberry archives. The yep. yep, that's what we. That's part of the research that we did to prove that, like the TOS, the the Delta was always supposed to be every starship's insignia. Not every yeah. ship doesn't get its own insignia. Uh, although there were some, there was like two two in all of fifty years. Um, uh, on-screen yeah, errors, there was, basically. Yeah, and it, they were both in the same episode. It's uh, Ron Tracy and his chief medical officer in Omega Glory. And once once you plug in what the intent was of uh, Gene and Gene and uh, Bob and all the rest behind mm-hmm. the scenes on TOS, then it becomes kind of clearer. Well, there's a memo that literally says that. But there are people yeah. who are basically... Intent doesn't mean anything. It has to be said on screen. If that's true, then also, then take intent of on screen. Then there's like one or two ships that didn't have it, that the rest did. And, and and this is, I know this is again, behind the scenes intent, but for TAS, uh, Bob Klein, one of the big animators was told every starship from Starfleet has the Delta. If there's a, uh, 
like merchant marine or a cargo ship or something, they have their own symbols so they don't get mm -hmm. confused with Starfleet. And that is actually carried through in the animated series. When you see the USS Ares crew, they have the Delta. When you see the uh, ship that's carrying the, the medicine that Spock needed, um, it has its own symbol because right. it's a cargo and ship. Because it's a cargo ship. Yeah, but it's okay. And that's I, a, I a conversation we can have later because that's a very long conversation. But. That's a very long conversation. But I will say this. I do get the desire, especially among older fans or my own contemporaries, to hold on preciously to the idea that every ship has its own insignia. Because that's well, what the we the 1970s. Yeah, and the 1970s was. was flooded with all sorts of ideas of what those might look like but none of them were canon yeah. it was like fanon or whatever basically but like all those books that came out when there was nothing to watch had yep. different insignias and i think that sort of drilled into people's brain that yes that's what it is like it, but it wasn't um so yeah um moving on to 39 it is the container for the medusans from is there uh, tos's uh, is there in truth no beauty which I just love. Yeah. I mean, I the idea of Medusans, which, by the way, who named the Medusans? Are Medusans offended by the name Medusan? I I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll find out in Prodigy. Yeah. Um, which I just want to say yet again, I called that one dead right from day one. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, I, I love the idea of the Medusan pod. But it's also a little yeah. odd. Um the, at least in TOS, I think the way Prodigy's handling it with, as a mobile pod, that makes a lot of sense. Like, what does a Medusan do when they're stuck in the pod? They just hang right. out and are they, you know, playing, uh, I don't know, maybe the, the game with the cones and the saucers? <laughs> well, who uh, knows well, what, what their, how their brain works. The yeah. yeah exactly. They might actually go into some sort of, like, meditative state or something where they just, you know. I would hope. I wouldn't want to be conscious in that pod. It'd be a bit like yeah. Harry Potter underneath the the stairs, uh, Privet Drive and Little Winding. I don't. What are you going to do in there? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, practice uh, calculations for for navigating. I guess because Medusans like, are good navigators. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're non corporeal, so it's not like they're playing right. handball in there. I don't know what they're doing. Right. Uh, and more TOS. So we have the Excalibans and the recreation of Abraham Lincoln, but Which, I'm not exactly sure how that's there, but okay, because he doesn't have bones, or he didn't really have bones. I love it. He still had the spear lodged yeah, in, his, in his back. Cage also, that was just disturbing, yeah. but kind of cool. Um, Excalibans, they're fun. I loved, the, yeah. I loved how it was used in the plot, though. Yes. The yeah, idea yeah. that, you know, if you grind up their bones, there's acid in them, and we can use that. And that was just really yeah. intelligent, good writing. Well, and I love that it it had a really good message about, like, you know, listen to the people underneath you. They have good mm -hmm. ideas. Which is funny because they're the people underneath the, the main br uh, bridge crew. Uh, you know, you know the, the, the upper decks. So, like, they have a lesson to learn about themselves from themselves, basically. Yeah. But... Um, Number 41 is the one that we are talking about before, what is a, <laughs> a toss-up, yeah. I believe, between 29 of the Masaka mask or 41, which is the candle that holds Ronan, a spirit who lived in Glasgow in 1647, but you know it more as the candle from Sub Rosa. It's the sex candle. It's the sex candle. God, that's depressing. <laughs> um... Yeah, that one. I'll take the mask, mm -hmm. man. I'll put the mask on my wall if you if I have to. The yeah. candle? 
I'm just gonna. The mask is actually kind of cool looking, honestly. Well, the mask is the cool, and honestly, <laughs> honestly, when the when the mask episode came out, mm-hmm. I thought it was referencing uh, one of the very first TNG novels ever written called Masks. Oh, right, which was yeah. actually a really cool concept. Mm-hmm. Um, where the Enterprise D encounters a culture where everyone in the culture has to wear a mask. And, you know, it was depressingly not based on that novel. Yeah. Um, but Sub Rosa? It was the, yeah. let's let let uh, Brent Spiner spin out of control and do lots of voices. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we've got the candle or the mask. Um, I think uh, most people candle, would probably choose the, the candle's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number forty-two, which is also on the same shelf as the, the 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 mask, the candle, and this other object are all in the same shelf. Uh, forty-two, and this is the one that took me the longest to figure out until it just snapped. In the back of my head, I was always thinking like medical device. It's like some sort mm-hmm. of like blood centrifuge. No, that's not it. Like trying to find, like, and then I heard Doctor Bashir's voice in my head. I'm just like, oh my god, it is a container for uh, Ketracel White from Deep Space Nine. One of the weirdest MacGuffins in Star Trek history. I, a really interesting idea. You know, soldiers that have to have this substance in order to operate. Yeah. And something that Star Trek had played around with before. You know, if you go back to, you know, the very first episode of TNG, they're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, Q mentions the idea yep. that we were controlling our military with drugs. Yep. So... As bizarre, which as is it very eighties, it's very eighties. But it's also like you know, let's not get too preachy here, humanity. You did it yourself yeah. too, which yeah. is kind of interesting, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they never brought that up, of course, but they yeah. never did, and I was always disappointed by it. Yeah, um, like okay, we can because Bashir could have been like, dominion. oh yeah, we can exactly, yeah, and just but but hey, you know, our own human culture, blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah. Uh number 43 is the big uh painting of the of uh, uh Kerner Hawes whose collection this is and he's wearing similar clothing style to Kiva Svajo. He's got the the symbol that we talked about wanting to have as a fan set pin. And speaking of fan sets, uh fan sets is our sponsor and we have a discount code where you can get 10% off anything there including gift cards or whatever and the discount code is drawn all caps D-R-A-W-N, uh, and just go to fansets.com, and you can pick up a badge for your, your uniform. They're doing their, their badge program. Right, which the badges are, are just my favorite thing right now, or all the Deltas that they're doing for their Delta program. And, uh, you know, I, you said something interesting uh, a while ago when we were just talking. You know, the, you like the idea that they're coming as magnets. I like that they're actually coming as magnets and pins and minis. Minis just so I can populate my jean jacket with them. Pins because <laughs> I'm a costumer. And magnets are great if you just want to wear a pin on some of your clothes. And I know people are adverse to, you know, pinholes in their stuff. But as a mm-hmm. costumer, I actually dig pins because they don't move. They don't shift. They don't. You put them, they stay. But magnets are awesome, too. I wear magnets on all my jackets. Uh, I throw them on my backpacks, my clothes. So I kind of dig them all in a weird Which way. Which is funny for me, like, because I was in an um, improvised Star Trek show. So when we did our uh, badges, we decided to use magnets. And they, they tended to stay, 
you know, where you put them. But yeah. I can see how wanting pins is it. If it's going to be uniform that you're never going to not have the pin on, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And really, you know, I have all like every insignia that I've got right now. I have either or both, I should say, both a pin or a magnet. And I tend to use the pins on and cosplay. I tend to use the magnets for my everyday life. So, because, yeah, I'm the guy who will be walking around a supermarket with a Starfleet insignia on. Sue me. <laughs> um, I, I, I love the things. I love representing the fandom. And uh, it's just myself. I mean, it's part of my identity. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, those magnets see a lot of use. So, we are now at number 44. We have 50. I'm just going to kind of get through a couple of these faster. We have been... There's so much to talk about. It's crazy. It's like, I might have to split this into two episodes. <laughs> well, it, what's fun about it is, is that it spurs conversation because they're all yeah. things that we recognize and love. Exactly. Yeah. Like, this could have actually been an Infinite Trek roundtable where we just went through each Easter egg in three hours, and that probably would have been just about right. Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, number 44 is a Salot skeleton. So we've got uh, what Spock's. This isn't Spock's pet because it has both tusks uh, intact. Um, number forty-five is a volley, uh, 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 water polo ball from Archer. In yeah, which Enterprise, is, which is so, just fun. I mean, at yeah. least at least Enterprise is on here. Yes, I mean, really, is there's this not the a only lot. Thing? It's interesting. Is this? Yeah, this is I think kind it is it for Enterprise. Isn't it? Well, no, no, the the Ushan. From oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. the the Andorian uh, ice weapon, but no. yeah, it doesn't feel like there's there isn't a ton of things like objects that you can kind of instantly think of from Enterprise. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't know. I don't know. Um, number forty six is a poker visor. So Which... somebody from another thing from taken from the D, the crashed crashed ship. Well, that and you know. I get the feeling that that's poker is just popular all over Starfleet. And I yeah. wonder, I wonder if that was legitimately just something that was a part of Starfleet culture, if that's something that became a part of Starfleet culture because of the Enterprise D, because as we've seen, other starships apparently know everything the Enterprise D is up to. You right. hear it all the time. You hear it in this yep. episode where Boimler yep. starts talking about the adventures and the somewhat more boring and staid stuff that happens on the Enterprise yeah. D. Yeah. So uh, maybe just everybody loves playing poker. Maybe it's just a Starfleet maybe. thing. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, number 47 is, it's it's debatable. We don't know it. This, most people think that it's a Ferengi thought machine, which is a spherical, like not just the half sphere that has a um, device that has sort of a red dome and then like design elements on top of it. This just looks like a nacelle cap from it's a TOS a era cap. shuttle. I, I'm about 99% sure it's a nacelle cap because, again, like you said, if, if it is the Ferengi um, mind device... Why wouldn't they have just drawn missing, the whole thing? Exactly. Yeah. It's missing too much detail for it to be that. And not only that, the uh, and this is getting really technical, I know, but I'm a Trekkie. I embrace technicality. Um, the dome is actually the wrong shape if it were going to be the Ferengi mind device. The Ferengi mind device... It, the arc of it is a little mm -hmm. bit different than a than a bussard collector on oh, a Starfleet God, ship yeah. or shuttlecraft. Mm -hmm. This is the right shape for a bussard collector. Yeah. So you know it's it's that it's got to be. Yeah. Uh, number forty eight 
is the mounted uh, canine head from the uh, Squire of Gothos. It was the dog with the uh, the horn that was originally in, I forget which the first episode we saw it in. Enemy Within. Enemy Within, thank you. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this it was the Alpha 177 K9, I believe is what it, they yep. were called. Um, yeah, so this is, which I thought was a Mugato head originally, but it was like, oh, wait. And then the Squire of Gothos, there's a screenshot. It looks basically just like this. So, Well, and it's got the little long antennae coming off of yeah. its little forehead. And it's just such a cute little thing to have mounted on your wall. Aww. It's interesting with bandwidth. <laughs> like, the first time I saw this, my bandwidth obviously wasn't 100%, so some of my stuff was a little mushy. So I did not see that detail, which is why I didn't catch it the first time around. And then when I replayed I'm like, oh, wow, this is so much sharper. So yeah. luckily I shrunk all of these screenshots down to, you know, much smaller. So you can't really tell. But Well, and speaking uh, of shrinking. Yeah, speaking of shrinking, number 49, the shrunken city from the Terratin incident. It's the uh, Terratin city that was beamed up to the Enterprise and had kind of shifting um, uh, size. You notice, like, on the planet, Kirk was kind of, it was waist high. Um, and then on the transporter pad, it was the size of the transporter circle, the little yeah. the pad that you, yeah. So, and that's what it looks like it's this size. So maybe it just changed size when they got beamed up. Yeah, it could be. What is this, a city for ants? Yeah, <laughs> it's the spiroid... Uh, yeah, I forget. It's like some sort of uh, basically a, a type of radiation. And the reason that their clothes shrunk on that episode is because their clothes were made of xenolon, which is a fabric of a living form of uh, kelp, basically. So it shrunk along with them because that's what uh, it was also a living organism. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, they have live clothes. That's interesting. So it's not replicated. They're like grown, I guess. Which, or at least sure. the fabric is. Uh-huh, yeah, Because, you know, Star Trek. It's, they just didn't want naked little <laughs> Star Trek people running around. Uh, so, and number 50 brings us to the Going animated series. Going in the series. opposite direction. Going in the opposite direction of shrinking. It is Spock 2. The giant clone of Spock from the Infinite Vulcan. Who isn't apparently so infinite. Sadly. I'm, I'm just... It <laughs> really... I don't know. Like... On one hand, I loved that he was there, and on the other hand, yeah. I immediately was sad. Yeah, because I'm like, no, I wanted to actually see fifty foot Spock. Well, not even if just... I didn't want to see, I just wanted to know out in the universe because he would still be by Vulcan age, could be alive. Sure. But as people have pointed out, well, first one, Mike McMahon. Well, I, I did bring this up at the premiere because I introduced myself. I told him to write the book, and and I was just like, after we saw that, I'm just like. What? It's like, you. but he's like, he was very old. I'm like, but not that old. You know, uh, however, being a clone and a giant clone, big, big clones that people don't, you know, big life forms don't live as long no. as smaller ones. Or is that true? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. Um, so who knows? But my, my headcanon is that possibly he was cloned before he died or maybe he can clone after. And then there's. Spock 3. There's a Spock 3 out there somewhere in the universe. Uh, I'd like to think that. And somebody was like, well, you know, oh, I hope that he's not out there. He's like, because that was, hor-. he was like, he probably lived a miserable existence and died with his first pawn far. And all the time, I'm like, look, well, like, he must have oh. done some, yeah, must have done some kind of good because 
he, you know, the, the, we have a Felosian uh, who is serving what on the Cerritos. if there's a 50-foot to Pring? <laughs> I mean, what, think it through. Kind of like, like when I was thinking... they just go find her and clone her? I'm just saying, it's first of all, it's not the first fictional rabbit hole I've fallen down even in this <laughs> podcast, in this episode. Uh, but what if, you know, you hit a mock time with a 50-foot mm-hmm. Spock... The solution is going to be find a 50-foot Vulcan woman. Uh, so 50-foot to Pring? I now have that in my head cannon. Sure. Why not? <laughs> although, <laughs> although to Pring wasn't especially nice no, at all. I, let's, let's maybe a different Vulcan that they run across yeah. or something. Uh, yeah. Maybe well, not 50-foot we'll, to Pring. But... No, we'll, we'll write that story eventually. Yeah, or we'll, I mean, we'll, now we'll, it's we'll there. Find some sort of yeah, we'll find we'll find some sort of answer. <laughs> but I think that so would have been the solution. <laughs> yeah. just you need to find a fifty foot uh, other Vulcan. Yeah. So that that pretty much wraps up what we found. There are two things that there's that orange barrel, and then there's uh kind of looks like an award. It's got like a a circle with what looks like clouds around it almost on a little stand don't know what that is either no but idea. those are the two things there are other things in that i did not include um there was a um uh what is it a case with a shark in it and somebody pinged me and they're like oh no no that is a very um what is it po- uh, important uh modern artwork called mm-hmm. the physical impossibility of death in the mind of someone living and i was just like i know what that is but it doesn't have the same case, and the case is actually part of the design work. But in looking for that, I found that in 2008, he did a, uh, a, a similar exhibit called Death Denied, and it is exactly that. So this is, that shark is by Damien Hurst in 2008. So Good there's a, a shark artwork in there. Um, there's also a big uh, unicorn and not sure if that's an allusion to like Blade Runner or or there was the the blue horses on Nimbus that had a mm-hmm. horn but they don't look like this. So and you know there's a couple other minor things that I'm sure are are something and I just didn't pick it out but I think I feel like we got a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And this is just and... in the the collector's room. Uh, there is something that you want to talk about on the Titan. Which I did not even get yeah, to. Yeah, the Titan, you know, it's funny. My favorite Easter egg from the whole episode isn't even, you know, in that collection. Mm-hmm. It's actually back aboard the Titan. And uh, in the in the briefing room aboard the USS Titan, there are a series of models uh, and images. And one of them is the original, I think it's possibly the first sketch. Yes. Of a potential USS Enterprise or Yorktown, and uh, there we go. Yeah, you're yeah you're showing it off right now, um, which is just amazing that that was included in the episode. Uh, There's also a, a modern so ship cool. in Discovery that looks very similar, like in concept. So I'm wondering if it's like the 32nd century version of that. Right, right, and that's. Yes, I did catch that uh, one of the last times through watching the the latest season of Disco. Yeah, and then also so in the, the other one though is yeah, this is yeah, 
No, go ahead. I, no, no, this I is, love this this is your no, this is your story. This is the the Titan missile that launches the um, Phoenix into yeah the Phoenix the first right. The so first it's warp ship really Earth. cool because it's like an Easter egg within an Easter egg because of course Riker was there in Bozeman, Montana, right uh, yeah. for first contact. So he would have had personal experience he, he, with the Phoenix. Yeah. He was a Troy the was Phoenix like, "Would you like us?" Yeah, when it flew. I love um, Troy's line when they were all looking at the ship. It's like, do you want us to, do you want me to leave you alone? <laughs> <laughs> Which is hysterical. Yeah. Um, and uh, really relevant, as you'll see in a minute. Um, yeah. But you've got uh, the fact that they're serving aboard, and, you know, Riker's ship is the USS Titan. Right. It's appropriate that they would have a model of what really is a Titan II nuclear missile. I've seen yeah. a lot of people who pointed that out in social media, and they're like, oh, look, it's the Phoenix. But it's got a little more significance because it is actually a Titan. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it perfectly apropos to have in the briefing room aboard that ship, plus the fact that it was you know, a modified Titan II that was the Phoenix. Right. Also, behind the scenes, the the Titan II nuclear missile that was seen in first contact is mm-hmm. the only freestanding Titan II nuclear missile still in its silo. As a result of the SALT II treaty, they were all scrapped, except that one, which remains as a static display at the Pima Air Museum in Tucson, Arizona. Um, that actual missile was one of my dads. I was born at Davis Monthan Air Force Base in 1970-whatever. Um, and my dad was a missileer. Uh, it was his first job in the Air Force. And that particular missile in that silo was one that he used to sit alert in. And so I've always felt a little bit of a connection to first yeah. contact. That missile was my dad's. And that missile became the Phoenix. Uh, that launched and now it's a on the Titan of humanity, and now it's on or a, a Titan. model of it. Yeah, yeah, that is fantastic. So, uh, it's always been one of my favorite little things. Is that you know something that my dad used to work with and on uh, as part of his career ended up in what is probably my favorite next gen era Star Trek film. Um, so it feels yeah. like there's a little bit of family in there. It's cool. That's very cool. So that's probably my favorite Easter egg from the whole episode. Nice. I have to think, like, trying to think of what my favorite Easter egg, I probably would say it's Terraton, just because it's cool to see that little city. And so, like, I I can't say it's 50 foot Spock because I don't want him to be dead. Uh, No, it bums (laughs) me out. Yeah. It really does. But, uh, no, just, I just love the fact that they took so much time and effort to put these things in. And they are interesting for a collection, honestly. You know, they're. And and the fact that there's not just Star Trek stuff, there's real artwork and there's other yeah. things that, you know, so I, I appreciate the time and, and attention to detail. And what I noticed what was really cool is that unlike some cartoons where they would just put the stuff wherever and then whatever they needed for the scene, this has a layout and everything yeah. stays where it's supposed to be. They walk around this museum and if they're standing in one spot, you can't suddenly have the shark behind them because it's two rows over or something like that. So they they managed to actually keep a real layout as they walked through it. So I thought that was really nice. It, it was. But what the nicest thing about all of this, and let's, let's, let's try to bring it home if we can to something. Yes. Not just relatable, <laughs> yes. but something that really has meaning. You know, um, 
what was it? Uh, and I think it was quoted even in an early TNG episode. Sherlock Holmes, for example, had a massive collection, but he didn't collect anything that wasn't of significance to him. Right. We're told, right? Yep. So this this episode and this list that you compiled, by the way, of the things that uh, Mike and his team at Lower Decks put into the episode, this infusion and uh, of, of little Easter eggs from all over Star Trek's history, the mm-hmm. 55 year history of Star Trek. It's a love letter. And this is a direct answer. I, I think, anyway, to those people that would look at modern Star Trek, even Lower Decks, and say, as I've heard time and again, well, the people that are working on Star Trek now don't get Star Trek. This list is your proof that they do. They well, and know. Boimler's speech, too. Yeah. Boimler's speech at the end, it absolutely yeah. nails what Star Trek is and what it's all about. And the fact yeah. that they were able to not only put that message at the end, but put this artwork throughout the episode that really tells you everything you need to know. The people working yeah. on modern Trek and especially lower decks are, they are born and bred die in the wool Trekkies who know this stuff backwards and forwards. And they just proved it to all of us. Mm-hmm. I don't see how anybody can, can have a criticism anymore in the face of this sort of overwhelming evidence that oh, they John, let me, let me introduce you to the internet. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. And it's frequently depressing. But this is not yes. depressing. This is no. awesome and inspiring. And, and I love just it. Just Lower Decks, whenever it is on and we get to watch it and it's new, there's just there's a spring in my step. There's just something like, like this. There's always like, no matter how crappy the day was, it's like, I can go back and watch this episode or whatever and just get something out of it. And it's it's new Star Trek and it's running. And it's just, that's mind boggling sometimes to me that there's so much Star Trek out here that we well, had such a point of either not running or if you were a Star Trek fan, you were considered a dork. I mean, you know, like people would not talk to you. So it's, things have changed so much. Well, they've changed so much. We're kind of spoiled in a way. Look how long we went in a desert yeah. with no Star Trek. And yep. now there's just so much happening all around us all the time that yeah. you can almost take it for granted. You can mm-hmm. almost say, well, I'll get to that episode tomorrow because I just don't have time today. And that's really a weird place for me to be because Star Trek should be the thing <laughs> that yeah. I run to You know, at the end of the day. It's like, I've had a hard day. I'm going to put on an episode of Star Trek and have a good time. Thankfully, and, at this point, they have not run more than one sh- show at a time, like DS9 yeah. and Voyager or something like that. Like, if we had both of those, I'd, I'd have to choose which one we'd use for a podcast or something. Yeah, I feel like you. I'll take it all. Okay, now. fine. <laughs> but if, if you would but, like to pay my rent so I could just do this, great, I'll do that. No, but what I mean is is that it's it's really so much fun to be a Trekkie yeah. right now. There's there's products flying out of every corner and soon we'll see we'll be able to see action figures on toy shelves again. Yes. We've got new episodes of Lower Decks right now dropping every week and they're not just, you know, oh, here's another episode of Lower Decks. Each one has been a delight. Yeah. Each one has been something special in its own right. Mm-hmm. And uh God, I just love it so much. Yeah. Um, so I'm just ha- I'm just a happy Trekkie right now. I agree, and that's that's a really good place to be at. It I think really it's a good is. place to end the show as well. Happy Trekkies, and um, 
we yeah just diving into this has been has been a joy also at this point i think i'm ready to be done with the, the easter eggs from this episode that that said um but yeah i just oh sorry well i can't wait to see your list for next week's show uh like three things <laughs> there there's there's uh i believe that there's spaceships in there and <laughs> awesome uh yeah no i i uh, i have painted myself into a corner but i will i will go through it and see if there's there's definitely not this much i can tell you that no I don't. I I think. I feel like this is might have been the biggest of the season. Although we we have the back five to still to ponder. So, well, and I also got the feeling when I was watching this, and who knows, maybe they're chuckling or they're just gonna up the ante and make it it worse next time. But um, I I also got the feeling that they were like, hey, we've done a good job of telling our own stories, and we're going to continue to do that for everybody looking for Easter eggs. We're throwing them all right here. Yeah, come and get them. There's more Easter eggs than you're gonna find even in this list. Yep. Yeah, yep. definitely. Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, hopefully, next time we'll have uh, Jesse. Will be back, and uh, believe next week's episode is we'll always have Tom Paris. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am excited to see Robert Duck and McNeil on Star Trek again as Tom Paris. It's I would love be... to see a Captain Proton holodeck program with Boimler. In black and white. That would be so much fun. Yeah. Among, you know, all the other holodeck programs that we could possibly get. Well, I just yeah. want to see... I mean, I, w- I would kill to see Moriarty again. That's my holodeck fantasy for an episode. They've name-dropped him before, so I feel like maybe we'll see him again. Yeah, I, I, I expect that we'll probably see him again at some point. I hope so. Yeah. Him and... and uh, what's her name? Uh, Stephanie Beecham. Oh yes, uh, his, and is she Stephanie Beecham still alive? I think so. I believe, yeah, I would just love to to have her voice. I I liked Sequest DSV. I'm a dork, uh, and I really <laughs> liked her in the, at least the first season. The first season was good. So anyway, thank you all for joining us. And uh, if you haven't already left at this point and wandered off, uh, we will talk to you next week and live long and prosper. Bye guys, LLP. Don't you give me that sarcastic Vulcan salute! <laughs> <laughs>